exactly as you would like it to be read. Please submit those before the last speaker is finished speaking and then we will read them aloud during the Q&A portion. So thank you again for joining us. Today we will have Dr. Grant Colfax, Director of the San Francisco Department of Public Health, Dr. Joaquin Torres, Director of the Office of Economic and Workforce Development, Cheryl Davis, Executive Director of the San Francisco Human Rights Commission, James Spignola, Executive Director of Collective Impact and Ella Hill Hutch Community Center, John Jacobo, member of the Latino Task Force, <clears throat> excuse me, and Stephanie Garcia, a Juvenile Justice Reform Fellow. So with that, I would like to turn it over to Dr. Colfax. Hi, good morning, everybody. And thank you for, for joining us uh, before this long weekend. Uh, I just have a, a brief uh, uh, statement to make um, with regard to where we are in the COVID-19 pandemic and the, the public health message. And I think the, the message that uh, is uh, really, uh, that, that we need to send out across the city, across the region, um, across uh, various uh, neighborhoods and communities is that this 4th of July, uh, the safest thing to do is to stay home. Uh, in San Francisco, uh, we have had an alarming increase, a significant and alarming increase in COVID-19 infections and hospitalizations. Over the past few weeks, our rates have soared. Um, we are uh, in, a, in a situation where uh, we could be seeing early signs of a surge and certainly our increases are reflected in across the region and as we are seeing increases across the state. As people know, uh, we have put a pause on our reopening and it is really vital that everyone take the steps that we know, that we know stop the spread of COVID-19, slow the spread of COVID-19. Uh, this means uh, wearing face coverings, uh, social distancing, good hygiene measures, and really limiting outings and staying at home as, as much as possible. Uh, we know that this works. We saw that this worked um, in, in, in the spring um, with our response in San Francisco. And as we hit pause, we need to ensure that we're doing everything we can to slow the virus's uh, spread. So key message this weekend, Stay at home if possible, celebrate at home with people in your household, uh, use uh, as much as possible a way to, to socialize uh, virtually, uh, socially distance, wear a face covering, uh, safe, keep you, your family and your neighborhood and community as safe as possible. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Colfax. Um, and up next, we have Director Torres from the um, Office of Economic and Workforce Development. Thank you so much. Um, uh, and thank you so much, Dr. Colfax. Um, I just wanted to make a, a few brief comments about the importance of moving into this weekend. And um, like many of the small businesses and community members who are very much looking forward to um, a more aggressive reopening, uh, we're just very thankful for the leadership of the Department of Public Health of keeping our health interests um, uh, very real and grounded uh, during this uh, significant time that we're in right now. Um, I think we're all excited about uh, a long three-day weekend um, uh, and what uh, benefit that may bring to some of our struggling small businesses that are doing everything they possibly can um, uh, to provide uh, healthy experiences and safe experiences for those who visit them uh, and patronize them, which is very, very much 
needed in this environment right now. But it's important to remember that this virus doesn't take a holiday, um, but it may force one further upon all of us that we don't want if we don't all take the collective responsibility as business owners, as patronizers, as community members uh, to ensuring that we are adhering to these public health guidelines. Um, it is so, so important that the progress that we have uh, worked so hard to create in terms of phased reopening uh, through our office under Mayor Breed's leadership with the leadership of Dr. Colfax and Dr. Aragon, we very much want to continue to see that progress being made. It is only possible if you as the public, if you as business owners, do your part to be responsible uh, during this weekend and as we continue to mitigate um, the public health crisis that we find ourselves in. Um, again, we have been doing such an extraordinary job uh, ensuring that we could get to this place of having many small businesses and businesses begin to see light at the end um, uh, of a tunnel uh, to allow for them to enjoy some level of activity and seeing liveliness um, come back to our neighborhoods and our neighborhood commercial corridors. It's only possible, again, if all of us are working together to take care of each other, to practice these social guidelines. It benefits not only our health, but our economic health as well. And that's something that we very much need to keep an eye on, and we all have a part uh, to play in that. Um, over 153,000 residents in San Francisco um, that are, uh, have sought out unemployment. Um, we know that we are dealing with an unemployment rate well over 12% uh, at this point right now. And our job collectively is to adhere um, uh, to these public health guidelines to allow us to continue and battle the other economic crisis that we want to be sure we can successfully address. And together with all of you, we know that, you, uh, that we can do that. When it comes to some of the additional work that can be provided, um, uh, or signage and information that can be provided. Um, uh, we wanna make sure that businesses know that there is additional uh, collateral that they can collect um, uh, and gain access to, to help them uh, work together with their, um, uh, with their patronizers and those who decide to come in um, uh, and patronize their businesses, retail um, or otherwise. Um, but we really, really do wanna say thank you so much to the public for being patient with business owners who are simply trying to do their part uh, and be as successful as they can be uh, in this environment. Um, so uh, with that, um, uh, we're very much looking forward to taking questions later on, um, but very much looking forward to a safe um, uh, July 4th weekend uh, here in San Francisco and across the Bay Area. Um, please do, if you're a business um, or an employee, for more information about resources or tools that can be made available to you, please do reach out to our website, oewd.org. Um, that's oewd.org. And then also, if you're curious about the phasing that's going on and, the, and what plans we have there, please do visit sfgov, uh, search for reopening, and you will find the information uh, that you uh, need there. So thank you all very much for the opportunity today. We look forward to working with you uh, towards continued success and reopening. Thank you, Director Torres. And our next speaker is Cheryl Davis, the Executive Director of the San Francisco Human Rights Commission. Thank you. You know, Director Torres just talked about the virus does not take a vacation or a holiday. And I think, you know, Dr. Colfax and I have been having conversations about how it is also um, is not equal in where it is impacting communities and neighborhoods. We have seen that the map of where the virus is impacting in greater numbers matches, number, matches maps that have been used for redlining. It matches maps that have been used to highlight disparities in terms of economic and health 
issues and challenges. And so we realize in some ways, as people have talked about this, we are battling two diseases or two um, issues at this point in time. One is the pandemic and one is racism, that these two things are very much closely connected. We are seeing um, a surge as we have talked about within our Latinx communities and in the mission and other neighborhoods. But most recently, we have had concerns about our African-American community and issues and challenges facing folks in Sunnydale and with younger populations. We are really trying to make sure that folks are heeding um, the call to stay home, to stay healthy. We are working with community. The role of the Human Rights Commission during the pandemic has really been to listen to community, to engage with community and raise the community concerns. We have heard from young people and old people alike that there is a concern that folks are going to come out over the course of this weekend and think that everything is fine and then be worse off um, as we go into next week. So we just really want to encourage people to talk to their family and encourage them to stay home, to stay healthy and be aware of um, asymptomatic, um, the idea that someone could be uh, could have contracted the virus and not know it and be spreading it to others. So we have been, as a part of the Human Rights Commission, working with partners like Mr. Spingola and Collective Impact and Del Seymour and Donna at Code Tenderloin to distribute face coverings, to pass out sanitizer, and to also pass out um, collateral that says, stay home, stay safe, reminds people of where they can get tested. And so we will continue that messaging, but are really grateful for partners that we have like here today that can share and encourage others. Really grateful for the work that John and the Latino Task Force have been doing. We really have to think about how we make this message plain, that we talk about um, in plain language comorbidities, the ideas that folks that have already um, issues, health issues are more likely to contract the virus and have a harder um, experience or um, be harder impacted by that. So we really are trying to work with um, messaging around that so that folks realize, although they are not being mandated, that we are really strongly encouraging that people stay home for their, the safety of themselves and their communities. Thank you, um, Director Davis. Our next speaker is John Jacobo, um, who is a member of the Latino Task Force. Hola, uh, buenos dias a toda mi gente. Good morning, everybody. My name is John Jacobo with the Latino Task Force. Um, and the Latino Task Force, uh, since the beginning of this pandemic, has been working uh, vigorously to ensure that our Latino community can continue uh, to thrive in this city or attempt to thrive in this city. And as Director Davis just indicated, there are a lot of challenges that uh, the Latino community faces in San Francisco um, that run parallel with COVID and that COVID in, in many ways is making uh, much worse and highlighting. And so one of the big pieces of advice to anybody that's listening out there, anybody that's jotting this down, is to ensure that if you have the ability to shelter in place this weekend, that you do that that if you have a need to go out because there's an essential thing that you have to do, that you wear a face covering and a face mask. As we saw in a mission study that we did, the Latino Task Force partnered with UCSF, we found that 53% of the people that tested positive in that particular mission study uh, were asymptomatic, meaning they had no symptoms. So what could be happening is people could have COVID-19 and not understand that they do, 
and they could be completely fine and not have any symptoms, but give it to somebody that they love dearly that could have a very adverse impact or adverse effect. So we are reminding our people in community um, to ensure that you stay home if you can. And if you have to go out, that you wear a face mask and that you ensure that you're keeping the social distance that's appropriate. Um, and if you're listening to this message, then you are an ambassador of this exact same message to those that you love and those that you care about. And it's important for all of us to take ownership of this because it's only with all of us participating that we'll be able to get out of this. So again, if you absolutely have to go out because it is essential, please use your social distancing space and wear a face mask. Uh, make sure that you have your face covered and that you, know, you, uh, you enjoy this um, as safe as you possibly can. Thank you, John. Our next speaker is James Spingola, Executive Director of Collective Impact in Ella Hill Hutch Community Center. Yes, can you hear me now? Yeah, how you doing everyone? Can, um, I'm not sure if you guys can hear me. Um, can somebody let me know that they can hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Thank you. No, thank you. Okay, how you doing? My name is James Bengola. Um, I'm working. I work down here at LA Hutch Community Center, and I'm gonna go a little. I'm gonna go a little deeper than that, so community can understand who they're talking to. So basically, I am Uncle Stank, right, in the community. So I always tell everybody, if you come to my community and you ask, like, where's James at, nobody would find. Nobody would know who you're talking about. You come through here and ask where Uncle Stank at. Everybody in the city knows where I'm at. Okay. But I just wanted to kind of reach out and talk about, I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day. I knew from day one, um, when this pandemic started, that Ellie Hill Hudson was gonna open up their doors to community because I knew the resources was gonna be hard for our community to get a hold to. And I just wanted to make sure that, you know, our community had somewhere to go and somewhere where they can go get some PPE, some face masks, some sanitizers or whatever else they need to eat. We even did hot lunches here, right? So um, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, community just really knew where they were, you know, like we, the doors was open. They didn't have to go looking for anything. It was right here. I've been all over San Francisco and Portrayal Hill, Devil Rock, Hunters Point, um, the, the mission. We have been pretty much kind of supporting everybody with PPEs. And I know everybody, I know everybody is feeling a little cramped up, you know, the 4th of July coming up. And so I'm just going to say, you know, in my words, right? Like, keep your butts at home. Like, everybody, please stay at home, because this, like, this pandemic and and this 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 uh, COVID COVID is it's this it's for real, right? I mean, and and I don't want you to be like be the person that carries it home. And I know a lot of us go home and we have family members, and I know everybody want to get together during the week, right? And go do the fourth and go kind of have you know kick it with the family, do the 4th of July or do whatever it is that you do, right? And then you gotta realize you go home and you have, you have a mom at home, you have a grandparent at home or something. And you know, like if you don't even know you, you, you're actually carrying the disease, right? So it's like, I mean, we as young people really, you know, you are, you are the carriers, but you know what I mean? It's, the, it's like looking out for the people that's around you at the time, right? So it's not about you, it's bigger than like everybody else. I always tell everybody, it's bigger than me, it's bigger than you, right? It's about protecting all our elders and our seniors and all our family that's around us when we do, when we think about it as we go out, right? So I'm basically saying like, if you, if you do have to go out, right? 
wear a face mask. If you do end up going out, wear a face mask. Uh, you make sure you got sanitizer with you, right? Keep, think about social distancing at all times. Just make it a habit that people just don't get next to you. Uh, people will keep your distance from you, right? So just make sure that you know that you that you take it serious because this is this is serious and I'm a reason why I say this is serious right is because when we think about it this is a lot that's not being said right and a lot that we don't know about this this uh, virus that that's out there so I mean just to be safe right is just like just make sure that you're taking care of like your people your loved ones your community right and just making sure that you actually letting everybody know that, hey, they, you know, like, I don't want to get sick. I don't want you to get sick. Like, so I'm going to keep my distance. I'm going to stay at home. I'm not going to be out here. I'm not going to be part of that. I mean, because I'll tell everyone, you know, we're going to recover from this. That's what we're definitely going to recover. But, I mean, we're going to go through some stuff for a minute, right? And stay at home and you know, just being safe for this, for this weekend. And please stay at home and be safe. Um, because I, I mean, the last thing in the world you want to do is sacrifice somebody in your family, and I, I, the last thing in the world I want to do is go to another friend. So I mean, it's just like at the end of the day, it's it, for us. It's for us to look out for our communities and make sure that our communities is safe at the end of the day. So please, please, please keep your butts at home, stay home, y'all, and just kind of like you know, I mean, then as another Fourth of July will come up, and just. You know, I mean, we'll get we'll get the next one next year. We'll probably be out there partying. But for this year, please just stay at home. Thank you. Thank you, Director Spingola. Um, and up next, we have Stephanie Garcia, who, as a reminder, will be our final speaker. So please submit your questions before she's finished speaking. Hello, good, mor good morning, everyone. I I'm here today to talk specifically to young people. Um, so I have a message for all of the young people in San Francisco um, and around the nation. We, the young people, are intelligent, courageous, and resilient, and we can lead here by example. So I urge you to continue to practice social distancing and to only go out for essentials, to wear face coverings, and to practice good hygiene. Remember, COVID 19 is something that affects all of us, and especially those whom we love. Our, our, our moms, dads, grandparents, great-grandparents, and others with underlying conditions in our communities. We as young people have the responsibility to act responsible and to leave our pleasures and fun behind. The Rona is real. I have firsthand lived through the fears of having relatives test positive and lose their lives to COVID. I also know what testing positive does to a family fin financially. In some situations, many of us live in multi-generational homes, meaning that we live among the elderly, our parents and grandparents. We as young people must remember that we are not, that we are not spared from this virus. We have seen how serious COVID can be, can be for our elderly people. Those that we all respect, care, and love unconditionally. I urge you all to take, and, to take action and practice social distancing, distancing, practice good hand hygiene, and continue to wear face coverings. We all have the power to flatten the curve and stop the spread. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. 
Um, with that, we will begin our Q&A portion. Our first question comes from Rebecca with CalMatters, and that is, what percentage of cases tell contact tracers their close contacts? Has that percentage changed over time? And when cases don't tell investigators their close contacts, do they say why? And I apologize, that question is for Dr. Colfax. Could you reread the, the question again? I didn't quite hear all of that, I'm sorry. Yes, um, so the question is, what percentage of cases tell contact tracers their close contacts? Has that percentage changed over time? And when cases don't tell investigators their close contacts, do they say why? Got it, so um, contact tracing is one of our uh, key interventions. Um, that, uh, that we empl employ as, as a result of, of uh, managing the, the pandemic. So right now um, we have over 100 uh, uh, contact tracers in the field uh, working uh, with people who have been diagnosed with COVID-19. Right now um, we are reaching 82% uh, of cases um, and of, of, the, of, the, of the people that uh, the cases report uh, we are reaching 88% uh, uh, of their contacts. Um, so we are doing relatively well there for our indicator. We're in, in, in yellow there. Our goal is to reach uh, 90% uh, for both. And with regard is to why people um, do not necessarily uh, tell people about their, their contacts or perhaps refuse with regard to uh, engaging with a, a contact tracer um, we have qualitative information about that. Obviously, there's um, understandable concerns about providing information um, and how that information will be used, um, which is why we have worked uh, very uh, much with multiple community partners to train uh, uh, efforts uh, by community-based organizations to, to function as uh, trusted uh, 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 contact tracers with, with the communities that um, we need to reach uh, the most right now, given the inequities in, dur during the epidemic. So um, contact tracing is, is, a, is about the information that's given, but it's also about uh, providing support for people diagnosed in their contacts. So with the partners on this call um, across the city, um, people are being offered uh, hotel rooms if they need to isolate and quarantine. Their families are being offered social support services, uh, food, and other uh, key things that uh, help people um, if they're diagnosed with COVID-19, if they're at risk for COVID-19, and to help them uh, uh, get through uh, the, the two-week period uh, that is most acute uh, uh, with people who are diagnosed. The other thing to emphasize is that the information that is, that is uh, gathered is 100% confidential and, uh, and, and is not used in any other way except for um, uh, getting people tested and supported during COVID-19. Dr. Colfax, the second question from Rebecca with CalMatters is, how have moves to reopen San Francisco complicated contact tracing efforts and what have been the consequences of that? Um, it, it has not complicated our efforts. Um, we are continuing uh, full core press in working to, uh, in, a, in a culturally appropriate way, engage people who are uh, diagnosed with COVID-19 to, again, support them, uh, to support their families, um, and, and to support um, the contacts that they've had. 
and again, it just emphasizes the need to continue uh, to strengthen uh, this work across the city. Thank you. Our next questions come from Angelina with KTSF. These are for Dr. Colfax. The first question is, how do we celebrate the 4th of July with our families safely? Well, I think um, as, as I said at the beginning of the call and, and, and um, my partners on this call also emphasized, uh, the best thing to do is to stay home, um, celebrate with members of your household um, uh, and uh, to, to be able to uh, uh, celebrate uh, virtually with others. Um, it, it's really um, a key, key, key right now that uh, we, we prevent the spread of COVID-19, that we slow the spread. Um, if people do go out, again, to emphasize um, wearing uh, face coverings, uh, maintaining social distancing, which, you know, I know it's, it's hard sometimes for me to do, it's hard for people to do, uh, but we really need to, to emphasize that. And as uh, Director Davis um, emphasized in, in, in the comments, you know, even if you feel okay, that doesn't mean you don't have COVID-19 or if someone feels okay or looks, looks like they're not sick, um, up to half of the cases um, can at least initially be asymptomatic. So um, we've, got, we've got to continue to, to prevent the spread, wear the face coverings, social distance and, and good hygiene. Second question from Angelina with KTSF for Dr. Colfax. Other counties allow social bubbles. What is your position on small gatherings of close family and friends? Yeah, so yeah, I think that the uh, the safest thing to do is is to stay at home with members of your immediate household. Um, if if there are um, uh, times when people uh, decide not to do that, um, it's very important for people to to meet outside, wear the face covering, social distance. Uh, the hygiene measures uh, that I talked about. And I also think we need to, to be really thoughtful about how we engage outside of our, our immediate households with people who are at risk from, highest risk from dying of, of, of the disease, uh, people who are older, people with chronic conditions. Um, so I think that right now, again, the best thing to do, given what we're seeing in San Francisco and in the region across the state, and indeed in many parts of the country, we are having a dramatic increases of cases, but, San Francisco knows how to do this. Um, we did it, in, and I'm grateful for everyone's uh, contributions to this. We did it in March, we did it in April, um, we did it for much of May. Uh, we can do it for, for 4th of July. Thank you. Our next questions come from Kathy Novak with KCBS. Um, these are also for Dr. Colfax. The first question, how many patients from San Quentin are currently being treated in San Francisco hospitals? So um, the latest data we have is there are 18 uh, patients uh, who were transferred um, from San Quentin who are in San Francisco hospitals. Thank you. Second question for Dr. Colfax. Are San Francisco hospitals preparing to receive more patients from San Quentin and how is that likely to affect capacity? So right now um, our hospital capacity is, is is good for our indicators, which by the way, people can find on the Data SF website if people want to delve into these in more detail. But right now our hospital uh, capacity is green. Um, we have uh, uh, a capacity to uh, accept patients uh, from, from other regions in the state. Obviously we will balance our ability um, to, to accept with what's happening locally um, and watching those indicators very, very carefully. But we certainly, 
uh, want to be able to support uh, uh, regions where there's an acute need and where people are in dire, near, dire need of care. Um, and we are in close contact um, with the state, which is really determining how uh, patients from San Quentin um, will be potentially transferred to other counties. Thank you. Our next questions come from Christian with KTVU for Dr. Colfax. First question, can you speculate about what is leading to the recent increase in coronavirus transmission rates in San Francisco? Well, I think it's uh, likely a combination of factors. Um, we don't have um, the precision to, to identify any, any um, one, one thing. This is not an outbreak that is in one specific facility. Um, uh, uh, or, 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 or um, region. Um, it's really, I think, what we know um, spreads the virus, which is uh, people, um, unfortunately, um, uh, you know, have been to closer contact um, uh, with, with people who, who may be asymptomatic but still can transmit um, COVID-19. Um, the the, um, the people who choose not to wear facial coverings, which we know um, dramatically uh, decreases uh, spread, spread of, of the disease. And then I think, you know, per um, the, the conversations um, in data that we've had in the past, there are um, people who, essential workers who, who need to work um, in settings and uh, there's, there is certainly a transmission risk in, in some of the, the workplaces, even with proper precautions that are being taken as much as possible. So. Um, the social distancing, the, uh, the facial coverings, the hygiene, um, ensuring that people have access to testing to know their status, uh, the, the contact notification, all these are things that can prevent the further spread. Um, and we think that over the last uh, few weeks, it's probably just a combination of more activity um, in the city. Uh, the, more, the more we move about and uh, the more uh, in, in interaction there is um, socially in, 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 uh, in gatherings, uh, the more likely the, the, the virus is, trans is to transmit, especially indoors, and especially if people don't take the, the precautions that we keep talking about. Thank you. And the second question from Christian at KTVU, did we reopen too fast or too early? Are we likely to see some of the restrictions reimposed? So I think um, as we um, moved, as we have reopened in a very um, uh, cautious and I think data-driven way, um, we followed the data and science and facts with regard to how to reopen uh, gradually. We knew the virus um, numbers would increase in, in, our, in our city and our region. Uh, the goal here is to slow the spread as much as possible. And the reason we took a pause is because the rate um, uh, uh, started to increase dramatically. So we've talked about flattening the curve. So it's not as though there would be no increase in, in virus numbers, in, in cases diagnosed and in, in hospitalizations even. It's really about this rate. I think it's um, too early to tell whether um, we would uh, need to potentially reverse um, any, any steps that have been taken with regard to reopening. We're taking a pause. We will be looking at the data, um, particularly over these next few days and uh, make a determination on, on next steps, again, based on uh, the data in, in science. Thank you, Dr. Colfax. And we have our final two questions from Joshua at the SF Examiner for Dr. Colfax. Question number one, please discuss the latest data that is raising concerns, including the exact number of case increases you saw on Wednesday. 
So the um, most important um, data that are, that are causing concern are really around the, again, the increase in hospitalization rates um, and in the, in the rate of case diagnoses. So um, our goal uh, for seven-day average of new cases um, is 1.8 uh, per 100,000 residents. Um, we are um, now at a, a rate of over six per 100,000. So that pushed us into our red zone. Um, so that's, that's one of the key indicators. Um, the other key indicator with regard to hospitalizations of, of people diagnosed with COVID-19, um, our goal is to keep the increase in hospitalizations um, to less than 10%. That puts us in the green zone as um, of, uh, uh, of our most recent data. Um, our increase is now at uh, 61%. So, you know, the, the, a key piece of this is our hospitalization rates overall um, for COVID-19 are low in the city. Again, thanks to um, the incredible efforts of, 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 of San Franciscans um, doing their best every day. So our hospitalizations remain uh, relatively low, but that rate of increase um, means that the, the curve is, is, is steep and we really need to ensure that we're doing everything we can uh, to, to flatten that curve again. Because as we've seen, uh, we saw this uh, in, 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 uh, in China, uh, we saw this in Italy, we saw this in New York, we're seeing this now um, in, some, um, in Florida and Arizona. Once this virus takes off, um, at a high rate, um, it's, it's very aggressive and we need to take this pause now and as much as possible uh, stay at home for the 4th of July in order to get that curve flat again in San Francisco and in our region. Thank you. Um, and question number two from Joshua at the SF Examiner. Can you provide any more specifics about what trends you are seeing in terms of why there is this increase of cases and hospitalizations such as demographics, location, or other causes? So again, I, I think it's a combination of factors. Um, and um, we, the, the data um, really reinforced the, the continued and ongoing need, as, as um, others have uh, spoken to on this call, to focus on an, through an equity lens in our approach uh, to managing COVID-19, to supporting uh, communities um, where COVID-19 is disproportionately uh, affecting uh, people on um, that includes the Latinx, the black African-American community, and we will continue to redouble our efforts in working with key partners, including those on this call to do just that. Thank you, Dr. Colfax. This concludes our press conference for today. We want to say thank you again to our speakers for joining us um, and a recording of this press conference will be available shortly. Thank you.